0: Hello, one and all, and welcome to episode two of the My Big Fat Mouth Vodcast. Tonight, it's not really going to be about My Big Fat Mouth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have somebody else in My Big Fat Mouth, and they're gonna climb out and have a little chat to you. So we're not gonna waste any time. We're gonna scoop straight ahead to the episode and uh, introduce you to the lovely person who I have sat down with me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get it done. Okay, hello Darren, welcome to the show, thank you so much for joining me, it's lovely to uh, to finally have a guest on the show, I've been wanting to do this with guests since its inception and I thought I'd better record that pilot first just to make sure I didn't fuck anything up too much, so uh, thank you for joining me, uh, could you take a minute just to introduce yourself to these lovely people and, and tell them what you're all about?
1: Yeah sure, um, thanks for inviting me, I appreciate it, I've uh, watched the pilot one and I've enjoyed that, so <laughs> Good. To this one. it wasn't too much of a mess um, then. No, <laughs> no, that's good. The little cut things are very entertaining as well. My name's Darren. I'm from We Paint Mini, so I'm the Twitter. I basically work, you know, do the We Paint Minis Twitter account. Um, I've also started a YouTube channel, um, and I'm here today to have a little chat with uh, with yourself. Cool. Yeah. So I've been I've been following you for.
0: About as long as I've been doing YouTube. We both sort of started pretty much around the same time, Mm. didn't we? I think maybe I'm like a few weeks in front of you, but
1: I think so. Yeah, I think you. I think you. You had an account on YouTube, a proper account. Yeah, with like a few dead videos. videos. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. before I did. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then obviously we just seem to have kind of hopped on at the same time and kind of then pushed at the same time, so which yes. has been really cool to see.
0: Yeah, very much so. And, and it's been really cool for me because having somebody else who's in that same position as me has meant that I've got someone who I can talk to and kind of reference stuff off within the same, you know, kind of lenses as, as, as my own mm. and kind of get a, get a rough idea of how someone in my position that isn't me might see things. So it's been really cool for me. I've really yeah. enjoyed knowing you so far That's why I wanted to bring you on the show because I think you're a cool dude And I think you might have some interesting stuff to say so uh, <laughs> Let's get into section one of the show where normally I would ask what I've been up to But seeing as you're in my big fat mouth today, we're gonna ask Darren. What have you been up to mate? Uh, so uh, What are you what are you been up to mate? What have you been up to? Right, so yeah, Darren, why don't you tell me what you've been up to?
1: Well, very much like what you've been up to quite heavily, I've been knee-deep in Indomitus. Um, Only knee-deep? Knee-deep. I wasn't going to go, how far was I going to go? I don't know. But I was knee-deep in Indomitus at the moment. Um, I'm I'm loving the the, the kits in there. Um, I've not touched the Necrons. I'm all about Space Marines. I'm a big Space Marine fan. Um, and I'm currently in the process of kit bashing a lot of that into White Scars, basically, into right. my White Scar yes. army.
0: Now, I've, I've actually been following this fairly closely. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but White Scars are a bit of a sentimental chapter for me.
1: Oh, yeah, I've watched the video. Yeah, so, so video.
0: it's been super interesting for me, because, like, I... Because they were my Big Brother's chapter, mm. I've always thought... Felt like I shouldn't really collect them because it's sort of trying to live in Big Brother's shoes. Mm. So seeing somebody else collect them and go through that process of like bringing out painting tutorials for them, kit bashing tutorials, the live stream that you did the other day, which was wicked. um, It's been really interesting for me. So I'm hoping that we're going to see quite a bit more White Scar stuff from you.
1: Yeah, the initial um, kind of onset of, of the White Scar army was a kill team. That was the premise first. Um, A a very good friend of mine recently got back into hobby after, obviously, you see this all the time, don't you, after 20 years and something like that, (laughs) and they were deciding between Necromunda or Kill Team. I was like, choose Kill Team. I said, Necromunda's cool. you know, it's great. But choose Kill Team because it's a new thing. It's it's small little war bands. You can build up a a good team relatively cheaply. Yeah, absolutely. and he literally went the whole way for cheapness. He's like, Harlequins. So all you need is a, ha- a troop. And that's it. Ten models, you're done. You yeah. don't even need anything Probably else. Probably the cheapest kill team, I reckon. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Death Watch, maybe. Uh, uh, might be,
0: Death Watch but... custodians and Harlequins are the ones that I've got that I only needed a single box for.
1: Yeah, because um, there it is. You can have about two or three models. Three miniatures, you, and yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And probably Tau, if you just were doing Fire Warriors, because mm. just one fire team yeah. would would be sufficient.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he's he's got the box set. He got it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, he got some Harlequins. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get on this. Because he lives in Scotland, you see, so I rarely get a chance to see him. So right. whenever I go up and, and I'm going to take my white scar kit, women, I can play against him. His brother's got Grey Knights. It's going to be cool. I've got friends down here who now have subsequently got into Kill Team. Uh, nice. And they've started building up their own teams. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, as soon as you start buying products for these games, it spirals. Kill it Team is the gateway
0: drug. It is the crystal meth of mm. wargaming.
1: See, I've always loved painting the miniatures, but I've never, ever played the games legitimately. I've created my own rules because I, uh, when I was younger, I couldn't afford the miniatures. Of course. So I had some couple of land speeders, some tactical marines and stuff like that. And I just put them on the floor on our, my landing and I had some, obviously, crisp uh, boxes or um, cereal boxes and things like that scattered around. And I would <laughs> measure. There was no, like, kind of rhyme or reason. You'd get a tape measure go, yeah, that can do about, oh, it's a flying thing, isn't it? It could probably do about 10 inches or probably a bit more than that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And if it got destroyed after being knocked down to zero HP, you'd have to roll. I rolled a a D6 and it would tell you, you know, one, two, three would be this direction, Four, five, six would be that direction, and then where it blew up, how many people it killed, and so forth. So, so it's very similar to the rules. Yeah, kind of but, quite
0: quite closely based on the second edition rules at the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just winged we- it yeah, essentially. Yeah.
0: I, can def- so, I can definitely remember back in those days as a kid, like floor hammer was the thing, wasn't it? Yes. Like, I-, I was quite lucky. I had a lot of friends who were a little bit better off than me. They maybe had not only an army of their own, but maybe like a small second army as well. Mm-hmm. Enough that between us, we could probably get together two armies, and we'd quite regularly just play like floor hammer games, you know, with like you say cereal packets, a couple of mugs maybe as like some silos, yeah. and you know, toilet roll yeah, middles, I it, and, and
1: I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, but I loved these small little. Men, you know, so detailed. These were, obviously, they were pewter at the time. Yeah, of course. There there weren't really any plastic ones around. Uh, And You know, trying to carry a pewter land raider. A land speeder, sorry. (laughs) Or a land raider. I remember remember the
0: land speeder all too well, because not only was it all made of metal and extremely heavy, but it was on one of those piss-thin clear flying stands that they used to make
1: <laughs> rocking backwards and forwards <laughs> I,
0: I swear to god no land speeder back in those days would make it through a game in one piece it was just not no. possible you couldn't no, do definitely it
1: not. no so i basically i've kind of rekindled my love for i've always loved the miniatures and i've loved painting them um that's that's my first love of painting miniatures. yeah no mine t- too i come from exactly the same place yeah then obviously with kill team my friend getting it i thought i'm gonna get into playing it and i really want to play it however i am what i affectionately call myself a serial incompletionist (laughs) or a procrastinator (laughs) you know so i get distracted by shiny things so i've started obviously building this 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 Indomitus set i started building and kit bashing the best i can and adding things and because the Indomitus, scale, I mean, look at the Blade Guard veterans, for example. They're very knightly looking and very Black Templar. I mean, they suit Black Templar down to a T, yeah. they suit obviously most chapters down to a T.
0: Yeah, I mean essentially like Ultramarines, Black Templars, and Dangles are probably the ones that I thought of for that mm. aesthetic first off. Yeah. But yeah, mo- most of the sort of loyalist chapters. But the one that it definitely doesn't work for, and I think this might be the point you're about to make, is White scars.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I and I always thought. They're awesome models. I can't. Yeah. I can't justify painting them in the colours of White Scars, and they just don't look like White Scars. For sure, they've got the colours. So thought, you know what? Get me Clippers. That's us let 106 pounds of miniatures. Let's just cut the crap out of them, you know, yeah, and see what fuck happens. It. Yeah. So things like the um, Indomitus Crusade uh, emblem. You know, that's very knightly and cross-like, and stuff like that. that's gone replaced yeah, it with sure. some cloth, sure. they have some fur, and things like that. Um, and, and the intention is to do that across pretty much all of them. I'm guessing. Really. Guessing we're going to see content from this. Yeah. So I've I've recorded myself um, cutting up the captain to bits.
0: <laughs> that's going <laughs> to tilt a few people.
1: Yeah, and and things like the the shield with the skeleton on right yeah i I couldn't i couldn't in all good consciousness go i i don't want that skeleton on a shield however i don't want that shield because it's not very white scarring so i've cut the skeleton off the shield or the rest of the rib cage you know safely and then managed to fuse it onto a shield that i created out of a towel drone which is an impressive feat
0: in and of itself in fact i'll tell you what because of you doing that i was looking through i'll show both the webcam that you're on and the webcam that's in front of me (laughs) um because of you doing that i was looking through my bits box the other day and i spotted a couple of Tau gun drones in there and i thought oh i'll pull them to one side just in case i want to have a go at that round shield malarkey (laughs) because they're just perfect for it aren't they they're absolutely perfect for it
1: they're minimalist so they yeah. are very um, space marine esque. Uh, all I did is I put a bit of milliput in the where the aerial antennas kind of stick out. Mm-hmm. Of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I left the vents, and that's it. You've yep, got your panel sure. lining options there. You've got a nice smooth surface that space marines love. You know, all their armors are all lovely and smooth. Um, so yeah, I thought why not, and it works okay. The only yeah. difficult thing is removing the undercarriage. Uh, And you have to really kind of take your time to do that. I'd have a lot
0: of difficulty removing my undercarriage. I wouldn't wouldn't feel good about it.
1: (laughs) Especially in public. You've been told
0: about that, I'm sure. (laughs) And if I made a video of it, well, I'd just be in trouble, wouldn't I?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is to... Turn these into white scars. Make them look like white scars. Obviously, you've got the Outriders, which I know you have a disdain for, and I agree on the disdain. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
0: just... Do you know what? Just because it's so avoidable. It's just so avoidable. That's... it. What is the point in having such a hype set, a box that everyone's so fucking excited for, and just a silly, stupid design oversight that so (laughs) should have been picked up on, you know... People on the team assembled and painted these models for box art for mm. the celebration stream, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It will have been a known fact long prior to release. You know, could something have been done maybe to make them just a I, bit more user friendly?
1: Well, I, sometimes I kind of deviate from the path when it comes to um putting together models. Mm-hmm. The the instructions of how to build things are obviously expertly written and, and a lot of the time they work and it's it's perfect. But I just stuck some bits together just haphazardly going, well oh, that goes there, that goes there. And then I was like, hang on it. I can't get his torso in now because yeah, his I legs are right cam-
0: One. <laughs> <laughs> I that, that one was my first one. it
1: never occurred to me
0: that you would fix the torso to the seat and then the legs which are part of the fairing around the outside. Yeah. It just, it doesn't yeah. seem, it's not intuitive, is it? Yeah. And then I left the backpack off and I can't put the backpack on. So, it's because of the bar, the, the bar, ball bar at the back. I've got a feeling we might be about to do the smoothest segue ever. I'm going to pull us into the next section yeah. because we're practically, judging by my show notes, we're on the verge of going into it as it is. I'm going to take a minute now and I'm going to ask you, what are you high on right now, Darren? <sighs> Yeah, what am I high on right now? So yeah, why don't you tell us all about what you're high on right now, mate. Tell us what in the hobby is filling you with enthusiasm
1: and inspiration and making you happy right now. Well, I mean, obviously running Minis Twitter account is obviously always kind of a high point for me anyway. It's a I good love quality Twitter or... account
0: as well, viewers. You should follow it if you don't already. We will put a link in the description.
1: I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's such a massive source of... Um, inspiration and, and stuff yeah, like that, sure. and seeing what other people are producing and stuff, it's a bit envious. I get a bit envious at times because the amount of how fast people can paint things. It's, and it's things natural, like that, and especially know? when some but, of these
0: accounts are several people making content as well. That's the other thing you have yes. to bear in mind. You mm-hmm. know, folks like us that do it all off our own back, it is hard for us to keep up with people yeah. who are you know able to sort of pull their resources in terms of time and
1: and person power. Definitely, yeah. So. Uh, i love looking at that i love helping people i'm a community builder at heart so for many years now i've 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 loved building communities and kind of interacting with communities so seeing that's been fantastic um these conversions i'm really getting down with um i have got a plan with these outriders Uh, i am going to probably incorporate some fur somewhere along there kind of reminiscent of Saddles on the back of horses that sure. Mongolians rode and things like that. Are these you know. guys going
0: to be getting power katanas as well? I've seen power katanas and your captain.
1: That's right, I've got power katana. I've actually got seven power katanas and they're actually going to be used for all of the blade guard. Just for blade guard. So only the blade and then maybe the judicia. judicia. I, wonder if, Ooh, I wonder if
0: you could get chain katanas made.
1: Maybe. Well the guy who did it, I mean, I can't quite remember off the top of my head his name um oh just sorry for the inconsistent fourth wall breaking thing here let me that, <laughs>
0: no no um, you look him up you look him up by all means we're uh we're keen on giving shout outs over here so yeah master
1: crafted minis or mcm or well, mc miniatures on twitter there we go he, he was the gentleman who initially um bashed his ju- judicia with a power katana and i was like which that I is I amazing yes yeah, so that's amazing where'd you get go said, I, I, I made them so I got in touch with him. I said, look, I really like it. I'm going to do it for my blade guard. And he said, you know what? If you help me out, I'll chuck you some. Which I probably shouldn't say because I don't want anyone flooding him going, send me free stuff. <laughs> you know? but, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be cursing your name after this. <laughs> okay. But um, he kindly sent me some over. Um, I looked through them and and they're be- beautifully made. Yeah, they, you know, they look really neat. Lemmatory. They look very clean. Yeah, really nice. Um, so all of my... Blade Guard are that they have in them, and my Judicia. I love the executioner blade. It looks awesome. I love the flat end. However, I think it kind of fits having this kind of going in there.
0: Yeah, it, it goes back to that same thing again, doesn't it? Of what is overall a good aesthetic for pretty much anything Space Marine hmm. tends to be exactly a bad aesthetic for White Scars. They're re- very yeah. much the mold breakers when it comes to to their overall Definitely. look, aren't they? I
1: think, that's, I think that's why I like them, because i love space marines i really do and and a lot of people there are some people who dislike space marines because of what they are they this the, the brand essentially aren't they however i i not only the old space marines but the primaris i love them i love the sculpts i love the way they look i love painting them as well um and i love imperial fists as well that's another one i love <clears> white guys but Anything that's difficult to paint white or yellow, which people perceive to be difficult. Colours I, to well. Colours I love as
0: well. Colours I love. Weirdly enough, the, the colour I find most difficult to paint well is blue. It's taken me years to figure out how to do really nice blues.
1: I watch it's... a chap on YouTube. I don't know if you know him. Juan Hidalgo. Yeah, yeah, I know Juan, yeah. He is a verve like, absolutely hates and detests blue. <laughs> and painting blue. So it might be a common thing for some people. Yeah. I... I I don't like painting um, black too much. Um, Until Corvus Black come out on GW's range, um, I'm sure there's other brands that are probably really cool, which is an off-black, but I always find that highlighting black can be quite a um, daunting task. It looks quite stark. Yeah, it it,
0: it depends on the method you're going to use, but I think Mm. with with highlighting black, you've got to... and unless it's a very angular shape, you can't really just slap progressively lighter grays on there and it look yeah. good. And I think that's what stresses people out is you have to choose a highlight scheme for your blacks that still works on those aggressive angular shapes like bolter casings or whatever, but can also, you know, do a flowing robe or something like that. Because, of course, our minis have lots of different textures on them. They're not all just, yeah. you know, square plates
1: yeah exactly yeah and and i mean the, with white i find it's a lot more easier than people believe it is um yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As, as i mean I'm, I, not everyone's going to watch my stream that i had yes, yesterday say yesterday you no, a but I we, is we were talking Yeah,
0: quite some length weren't we yesterday at the time yeah. of filming this yeah we we were talking yeah. at quite some length about the sort of myth busting behind the difficulty of painting white and i think we mentioned yellow as well
1: hmm. yeah yeah and and then the, and the the preconceptions of painting those colours and how you can quite easily get the effect that you want with those colours without actually worrying yourself too much about the application of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I've I've kind of digressed a little bit. That's there, all right. But...
0: Di- digressing is fine. That's 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 something that we're all about as well. Again, if you've watched the pilot episode, you know that I struggle to stay on topic, so don't don't feel bad about it.
1: <laughs> but the other element of the kit bash that I wanted to talk. Talk about really was the uh, chaplains. Um, I've got the ju- the Judicia is a chaplain, isn't it? Yeah,
0: he's, he's a chaplain in training. He's he's uh, uh-huh. a rank below a chaplain,
1: right? So it's not necessarily him. It's the normal chaplain. Mm-hmm. Now I've been. I don't know if anyone. I mean, I'm just going to be patronising here, but obviously there is a lot of um, Eastern you know, an Asian and orientated influences when it comes to cultural influences, when it comes to the white scouts.
0: Yeah. Primarily, um, pri- primarily Mongolian, but they do borrow from both Chinese and Japanese ancient. Exactly. History as
1: well. Yeah. 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 And, and that's what I'm playing on at the moment. So what I'm, I'm trying to do is, uh, um, with my chaplain, I'm actually going to be trying to build a, or kit bash a Mongolian shaman. Cool. Um, because a chaplain is essentially like a priest of some, some sort, isn't it? Essentially. Yeah. And, you know, he, 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 Says litanies and things like that to bolster his troops and, and kind of about the God Emperor and all this sort of stuff. Um, and what I wanted to do is do something very similar in regards to religious and kind of um, theo- theological kind of aspect to the chaplain, and, but turn it on its head into it into a shamanistic pagan kind of look. Um, so I've been looking through bits, scrolling through pages, and I think I've established I'm gonna This is going to be it might sound strange. I think I'm gonna actually replace, create a head. Well, put a helmet, a space marine helmet. But I'm gonna use one of the crests from the um the Warcry faction, the Cipher Lords.
0: Yes, the ones with the fan rests. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because what I've been learning, I like to look a bit, do a bit of research and, and, and resource gathering sort of thing. So I, obviously, you type in Mongolian shamans into Google and see yeah. what comes up. <laughs> You've got a wide variety of different ones. You've got ones where they have bands with like dreadlocks just hanging down in the front of their faces, which is awesome. But I thought, mm. and then there's ones where they have huge horns, but bull horns, and things like that. But then there's ones that have these kind of elaborate. Some of them have feathers on, so I thought Corvus Cabal at yep. first, but I thought it looked a bit too much Raven Guard. So I thought, okay, what can I do? And then some of them I've seen where they have kind of nice plumes and kind of dangly bits and I thought, ah, I, I, I don't want to cut I, you off, but I, I was about to say, as soon as
0: you said Corvus Cabal, the first thing that comes to my head is, oh, you mean the uh, Raven Guard Primaris upgrade kit? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, and that's what I love doing. I love grabbing, you know, Age of Sigma stuff. Grabbing, all oh, that'll do, that'll do. I've got, um, at a minute, I've got several, oh, no, not Age of Sigma, but several Necromond sets. Goliath, mm-hmm. Delac, or Delaqu, however you want to say it, and Cordor, because essentially I'm only going to use them to actually kitbash stuff with.
0: Well, funny he... enough, half of my Chaos Cultists are House Cordor, and um, yeah. I've got another House Cordor box literally right there um, in case I decide I need any more cultists <laughs> so that I can quickly add another ten in. Because the only thing you really have to do is, if you want uh, heavy or special weapons, is work around mm-hmm. that. But yeah. other than that one small thing, that cordor box will happily do you uh, t- 10 Chaos Cultists, and they, they look brilliant just straight out of the box. You literally just paint them differently, and they look like cultists.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just a ragged bunch of people who are fanatically follow the god or the particular chapter of Space Marine, Chaos Space Marine, or whatever it is. I-
0: I'm particularly yeah. keen on the lad who's got the stick with all the dribbly candles on top. Possibly the least practical standard in the history of going to war, i'm not really sure how long you expect those candles to stay lit for but it's yeah uh, in the 41st millennium (laughs) oh they're electro candles that's what it is
1: oh Uh, yes of course the ones you switch on the bottom they've got a timer on and they turn on at certain times screw the bottom
0: of the staff and the candles just burst into flame and stay lit and it's beautiful
1: and yeah but i would use those candles i would just snip those candles off and put them on things you know i I mean Uh,
0: it's, it's one of those
1: things isn't it like you would say to yourself well just
0: fucking make a candle out of milliput how hard can it be the, the answer is actually something like a candle it's a pain in the dick to make from milliput yeah. because all of those Definitely. little dribbly bits and stuff like that the, the the medium just it doesn't lend well to that kind of really fine manipulation sure. I've so, been wanting
1: to do um, some um, candles for a long time my first chaplain do you know the one that the one that came up the newest primaris chaplain that came up the very first one the one in the mid- trench
0: coat with the pimp cane
1: yes yeah with the weirdest crozius in the whole world. No, the yeah, best that... crozius
0: in the whole world. It's the it's the streamlined crozius.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just a stick with a skull on it. That'll yeah. do. You know, yeah, spiky skull. Amazing model. I love that. But I attempted to make my own candle and it looks like a rotten apple on yeah. uh, on his base. Yeah. It just looks horrific. L- the last um, time I so... tried to
0: sculpt a candle it came out looking like a sex toy. So don't worry about don't worry about yours
1: looking funny, mate. <laughs> it just looks so weird because i used um one of my daughter's like play beads really small bead that was like a oblong shape sort of thing then i put some um green stuff i think it was at the time put some green stuff and i cut a paper clip or something like that to use as a wick yeah and obviously the scale of it is it's ridiculous. just all of it big isn't it yeah yeah it's ridiculous so now i've got cordial ones. snip them off stick them on bases if you want to i might even whack them on some of the chaplain you know on his shoulder on his uh backpack or something that be really so you cool. go there, there's yeah. a bit of
0: free engagement for the audience if you can suggest to myself or darren any other places that we can find good scale candles get them in the comments below because that'll be uh, something that's probably useful to both of us i really like scale candles as well i think it's a very atmospheric thing that you can add into into bases and into especially mm. for chaos like obviously um i've got a word bearer's army it's led by a dark apostle that mm. guy's already got like nice flamey bits all over him but it Definitely wouldn't hurt him to have some nice candles on his base. Sisters of Battle, another example, you know, candles are really good for sculpting them. So if you know of where to find candles, let us know, because uh, yeah, we, otherwise we're just going to mutilate a million corridor kits to get them, and that's probably going to make a few Necromunda players quite sad.
1: Yeah, and our wallets. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, what what are they like? Nearly twenty quid a box.
1: Yeah, all our wallets is the candles. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, in the same way that the Corvus Cabal is the most expensive Raven Guard upgrade kit,
1: the Cordor gang. You'd probably use it all. You'd probably use all the cor- Corvus Cabal, wouldn't you? I mean, every single head that's there, that's... it's got a got a crow's skull on it. It's actually tell what,
0: I'd like to see. You know the you know the one with the wings, the, the mm. flappy guy. Those wings. On um, Shrike's jump pack. Yes. Those yes. wings added to Shrike's jump pack.
1: Yes. I bet someone's done it, but we'll, let's plead
0: ignorant. Because do it. Again, there's precedent, isn't there? Because Corvus Korax had a winged jump pack. Mm. So, yes, like, exactly. it is within the style of the chapter. So, And again, if anybody's got uh, a conversion of Corvus Cabal Wings added... You see, this is getting free engagement. This is is what this is called. If anybody's got a conversion of uh, Corvus Cabal Wings added to Shrike's Jump Pack, we'd also love to see that. So pop us a link in the description. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah. Just having my pro YouTube moments there. Right. It's hard, uh, isn't it, when you're trying to incorporate um, kind of engagement into your videos as well, it's quite yeah, difficult. Because... The thing is,
0: you've see, you know my video presentation style. Like, I really don't like trying to shoehorn it in. Mm. So, because I don't like trying to shoehorn it in, I end up just being the most transparent plank in the world and just doing the engagements all at the end of the video, like when I'm basically saying goodbye to the camera. <laughs>
1: But that's fine. That works for you because that's yeah, that's your kind of approach to it. You know, um, I, I I quite heavily script a lot of the stuff that I say. Well, recently, right. anyway. Yeah. Um, because I can easily get sidetracked, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, if I get sidetracked, I don't want to spend hours and hours editing out my. No, of course not. Of course out. not. We you know, so if I if, I if I stick, yeah, if I stick to a script. Um, I'm constantly trying to improve the way that I come across when reading that mm-hmm. to sound as natural as I possibly can. But then you are quite inherently able to just type in, oh, oh that, that's a perfect place to go. If you like this, or if you do this, or if you've got any other suggestions, let me know. Let me yeah, you can kind of find the good spots for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can find absolutely. the
0: good spots. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's one of those weird things, isn't it, with sort of different presentation styles. They can sort of it seems like a very minor thing, you know, more towards scripted or more towards freestyle, but it can radically affect how you have to make your content, Mm. you know, because you you don't, you know, when you do it like I do, where it's almost all freestyle and you're really just using some bullet points or some sort of mental Mm -hmm. notes that you've made for yourself. You have no markers to tell you where's a good place to say this or that. And of course, if you cock something up, you're doing another take or you're doing more editing.
1: So you want to minimize the amount of cocking things up that you do. Exactly. I mean, the first couple of videos I did I literally just um I would watch one section of the video I'd, so I'd put all the footage into the software mm-hmm. I'd watch one section as to what I was doing and then I would hit the record on the um audacity because that's a brilliant bit of kit and it's free and it's yep. fantastic Same thing like I use hit record on there and go uh, right what am I doing now okay um, I'm painting retributor armor so where am I painting it? I'm painting on these bits so I'll just go okay now we're going to apply some retributor armor, we're going to blah, 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 put it all over these places and then but I would say that so many times because I was saying it so wrong and what I tend to find is that if I'm ad-libbing I tend to talk too fast Yeah. for myself and then I start saying words completely incorrectly and then that's when I have to cut and edit loads of things and I get frustrated with myself but it's, and it... it's,
0: it's such a fine point of finding balance isn't it because like you want, especially with YouTube, especially it's it's so much, like Twitch feels very person to person connection because mm. you have that chat there. So everything that you're doing yeah. on Twitch, you have that direct feedback because your chat are talking to you and reacting to what you're doing. With YouTube, mm. you wanna try and create that sense of sort of it being a bit more personal that you're talking to that individual viewer, not just any any person. And so sort of the energy that comes through in your voice is very important and and it's sort of finding that point of balance of like i'm going to speak slow enough to be clear and to make sure that the points i'm trying to make are coming through and that they're understandable but i really don't want to be one of those people who just puts everyone to sleep by speaking (laughs) really fucking slowly yeah and and it's like finding finding that that correct sort of point between those two things that's certainly been something that's taken me a, a bit of effort i sort of my first few videos I really tried to be overly calm, like way more calm than I actually am in person because I, I was scared that if I you know, used too much of my natural energy, then I would just sort of come off as too hyperactive and no one would really be able to connect with that. And you know, there's, there's a real danger to it. But that's also why I love doing stuff like this, what we're doing now, because you can sidetrack as much as you want.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you can you can yeah. get lost in the weeds and just have
0: conversations because that's literally the fucking point of it. That's why we're doing mm. it. The topics that are there are just to give us places to start before we start rabbiting about whatever it is we end up talking about.
1: Yeah, it's very liberating. I mean, I, I would say that whilst we like the same things in regards to um, like uh, models and, and painting and, and stuff like that and art and, and things, our styles are very different. So yeah, yeah you are very. Um, you are very act. i say active, active and energetic in the way that you approach things. And obviously, I watch that. And I think, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I am very laid back as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm literally almost horizontal. So I could talk to my wife, and she would tell me, I can't even see your mouth moving, even though you're talking to me. I can't see your mouth moving because you're so like mm-hmm, sort of. Thing, <laughs> anyway. So I, 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 I dislike that. I like that, but I dislike it because then when I'm conducting my videos i'm trying to sound not too monotone or yeah. too boring and want in that the energy vision. yeah i want that energy but at the same time i don't want to exert too much because that's not me as a person so yeah absolutely. you know that would, that would that would come across as fake just as much as really badly reading the script and
0: that's it isn't it is is a lot of your presentation style when you make content has to reflect your true personality because if it doesn't eventually you'll get caught up eventually you will you will get to a point where because you're not being you you don't really know how to be the character that you've been playing in a certain situation and and it sort of starts to fall apart and it starts to feel a bit uh, you know and i I know this from my streaming days Uh, when i'm when i'm working I'm very low energy, very high concentration, very focused. Mm. And in my, you know, back in my streaming days, I would really try to be high energy, high conversation all the time. And it was just exhausting and therefore unenjoyable because that's not who I am when I'm in that headspace. You know, when I'm in that headspace, I want to concentrate and shut up and work and get on with what I'm doing. And obviously, you know, that doesn't make for the best
1: stream in the world. So I understand that it's... But there's a lot of people who create content. I mean before i decided that i want to do youtube um not full-time but j- j- kind of dip my toe into youtube again you know, i did it before i did gaming content many years ago with a friend of mine before i wanted to do kind of creative content that i'm doing now i i would sit me and my wife are quite happy to sit in bed and watch um like i said juan hidalgo or uh, duncan or uh, midwinter minis and, and and things like that you know yeah yeah um, we're quite happy to watch a sirens going on they're coming for me <laughs> um and uh, there's a such a varied amount of people and, and the way that they produce content and the way they they come across in their videos we've even watched people that they don't even talk yeah yeah you know, and, they, and they just paint something or they create amazing dioramas or, or things like that and it's just either sped up footage with text saying i do this or i do that mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm exerting all of this time and energy into um doing a script and and recording and making sure i sound me and making sure i sound professional and people can understand me and these people are just like god and i know let's not look at views and and stuff up you see that and you think well can i do that can i just do a yeah the numbers
0: don't tell the full picture we all know this you know And, and this is the thing is sometimes especially when you're an up-and-coming youtuber you're very hungry i know that i am guilty of feeling this you'll look at people who are producing massive numbers and for you their content feels like it's missing this and missing that and you say to yourself Mm. you know does that mean that i'm going to be successful or does that mean that this person is just very lucky or it doesn't mean Mm. any of that because for every individual personality for for what you take away from content and what you want from content of course the next person may not want someone who talks. They may want someone who just sits there silently and just gets on with their content. Mm. And then if there is any talking, it's at the beginning or the end, things like that. And, and this is the thing is YouTube is such a big platform and taste people's preference plays such a huge part in the growth of channels that you can't ask yourself questions about what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong based on numbers, because the numbers don't tell that story. The numbers tell a story of how many people happen to have seen your content who also like it.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are, they like yours less or more than someone else's. It just means that they've happened to stumble across your content and clicked on it and, and watched it. And whether they liked it or not is obviously a different different part of it as well.
0: That's it. And, the, and the bigger part of that story, I think, is your content being found As opposed to, you know, instead of asking yourself, is my content good or bad, asking yourself, is my content easy to find or not, is a much more useful question, I think, in the early days of of growing a channel. That, for me, certainly when I was growing my Twitch, when I was growing my Facebook, when I was growing, I I used to have a really big food Instagram. Um, I say really big, I mean, not really big by any famous person's <laughs> measure but you know yeah. with probably seven eight thousand followers which is you know it's all right i was pretty proud yeah. of it yeah, yeah and and you know when you're going through these processes of making these things bigger i've always felt like the more useful question is is do i make this easy for people to find you know am i am i giving the most people a chance to like this yeah as opposed Definitely. to as opposed to asking myself is it good or bad because you could think what you've made is shit and it could just connect with someone in that way and be the best video they've seen that month or that year you know
1: yeah definitely i mean and and it's perception isn't it as we as a very broad explanation it's mm-hmm. perception of that person you yeah, know whilst you and we all know everyone you are the most you know, critical person of yourself or your own work yes and, yeah. So it's and very you have to of yeah uh, and it's hard. It's good and bad because obviously the good part of it is that you go, well, I'm going to strive to be better than the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's um, bad in in regards to you. Then sometimes think, well, if I look at that particular content creator, or that is it, 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 this translates across painting, art, pretty much most of anything creative thing that you do. Well, if that person could produce that, and they've been doing it for X amount of time, I've been doing it for this amount of time, and I can only produce this. And you yeah. think, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, but. i like that i like that logical thought of is it easy to access or or can people find it i like that and that's why i heavily diving to um the seo element of youtube and uh twitter and and things like that trying to get to
0: the bottom of like what's the optimal title for your video and
1: yeah and i like that and some people might find that well that's probably like two nuts and bolts you just like slapping a video because they're whacking it up you know which is fine but some people would rather spend the time on um other elements of it i like to spend the time going making sure that that's optimized seo wise completely 100 percent. so i'm confident in knowing that if at any point you know i produce a video i'm happy that that i've done the best i can video and for people to find it
0: and and if, if anything like it's it's a fascinating and interesting process, even even before it produces fruit, right? So, you know, there's a reward there either way. It's an interesting thing to look into and to learn. Um, so going back for, to a moment for you you saying about, um, you know, lower energy levels and um, being a little bit more sedate. I've got a mm-hmm. feeling as we go into our next section that we might be able to get your blood up a little bit. Because this <laughs> next section is called the rant (laughs) so yeah darren you've got a choicely prepared rant for me today
1: (laughs) yeah i mean being on social media has positive and negative connotations as everyone knows anyway so you you're always going to see the bad side of people and you're going to see the really good side of people um the thing with bad side of people is it kind of gets expressed a lot more heavily than the good side of people. So that's why with my uh, Twitter page, I try to encourage the good side of it more than anything else. And I try to keep out of the, the drama and things like that. But I'm human and I still get very frustrated with things people say, um, their attitudes toward things, just like any decent human being would or opinionated person would. you know. And, and the thing that bothers me the most is that when someone likes something that much obviously either a stan as we we know or or they have this sneaking suspicion that that person that likes that product actually works for them and therefore <laughs> is a chill you know and it's like stands are great but i say great but they're they're good to a degree because i mean the best expression i've ever heard was henry cavill say about the witcher um and people and he would say they would say well the, the fans don't are worried about you playing Geralt um, as as a character, and you said, what, "What do you think about that to- kind of toxic community or that, that kind of attitude?" Because well, that's he said, they're not they're not haters; they're just passionate because they love that particular series or that universe or that genre. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's the same for this. You know, I see, I see, it, I see it, and I'm not going to name names, of course I'm not, but what what I see people call people shill or, or stuff like that, and I'm like, really, come on, just let them like what they like, uh, well, the other thing the thing is, if they work for it or
0: not. There's so many different elements to it, isn't there? Because when you look at, like, let's take Games Workshop as a great example, because mm. we all kind of know how Games Workshop work. Yeah. They won't fucking hire you unless you're fanatical about their products. Literally, mm. to get a job working for them, you have to be crazy cuckoo in love with what they do because that's what they look for in an employee so if we're talking about say a games workshop employee of course they're gonna stand for games workshop products of course mm-hmm. they're gonna be crawling up the arse of every single games workshop release it's not because they work for them they work for them because they're that type of person yeah. you know it's, it's a chicken and egg scenario
1: yeah and, 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 the thing with, and the thing with that as well sorry to to interrupt no, no, the with that as well is that is that that's branding and that's how marketing works you know you why would you hire someone who dislikes your product you know you've got so much so many avenues to to exploit content and put content out there and if even if you don't hire these people who like it who love it that much it doesn't matter because I mean, they what, are advertising for you absolutely why would you even hire someone who's indifferent
0: towards your product or who hmm. you know quite likes it but quite likes other things as well oh yeah. like, when you've got people like that that are absolutely crazy about the thing that you're doing that scream from the rooftops constantly of course you're going to hire those people of course you want to put them on the payroll because hmm. those are the people that are going to make sure that the thing that you've put all of your time effort hard work and energy into making goes over in the best possible light it can you know yeah exactly. now don't get me wrong there are there are problems associated with that culture as well. Oh Um, yeah, of course. I'm sure as much as it upsets me, it upsets you. And I'm sure a lot of people, when we know that these ambassadors for products will quote truths about these products that we know to not be accurate, for example, Um, you know, things that are sort of selling points for these products, but, we know that they are grounded in the marketing of the product and not in actual reality. Um, and, and of course, these things frustrate people, but that shouldn't be the point that you then decide to tell somebody off for liking that thing. Yeah, That's the point that you form your opinion that you don't like that particular way of putting it over. You know. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. It,
0: your your feelings about something don't have to be someone else's feelings about that thing we're allowed to when it comes to our emotional response especially to a fucking product it's not like it's a person or an animal you know it's it's not like it's something with a with a brain and a mind and a life it's it's a fucking toy soldier or a paintbrush or a pot of paint mm. you're allowed to feel your own thing about it and that can be yeah. yours and somebody else's thing can be theirs and the two can coexist
1: exactly yeah i mean i I, i've been guilty of it in the past in my in my younger years um i briefly just talked to you about my kind of my journey into liking metal music and things like that you know i i would go for a stage where i liked xyz you know or, or these particular bands and if someone says i like this band and it was a band i didn't like well you're wrong yeah That is. Why do you like them? They're rubbish. I I remember all too well, like the the toxic
0: masculinity in the metal community in the '90s, for example, where you know if you didn't like metal, you were a pussy. And it's Mm. like we these days we don't treat each other like that anymore. And I think the metal community has learned a lot of lessons about that. Mm. But back then, that's how it was, and that was how you put it over to people. And I did that, and I feel awful that I did that now. Mm. You know, to tell (laughs) my friends who didn't like metal that they were weak people. You know, to use yep. shitty, derogatory, sexist terms to describe them as weak because they didn't like the same music as me. Yeah. I hate the fact that that was the culture, but it was that was the culture we were a part of yeah. back
1: then. Yeah, and then, and then as as we've aged, obviously our perspectives on, on, on multiple things have changed. Yeah, you, you grow know? and
0: you improve, and
1: yeah, exactly. You you, and I think that's quite an important thing. I mean, I'm not saying people should go out deliberately to encourage or incite any sort of horrible behavior towards anyone or because they like something and that's the whole point of this rant really is 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 because someone likes something and you may not necessarily like them as much doesn't mean that the person who does like it loads is either so far up the other one's ass or is working for them yeah. it, it doesn't matter it's just a fan yeah. you know that's what a fanatic is it's, it's it's someone who is fanatical about something let people I'm, like, I, stuff. I, I like yeah, let people like stuff. You know, why not? I mean, yeah, you know, I I would say I'm I'm quite a GW fan. I I don't I have a few other paints from different ranges, but I have mostly Citadel paints. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to go. Well, you like Army Painter? <coughs> That's, well, why? They're, they're shit. Because one, I don't know that, and two, they probably aren't shit. So you know? on, a, on an interesting scale of perspective here,
0: um, this is this is something that it relates very closely to what you're saying. So I actually, I personally am not super keen on Games Workshop paints. Um, Mm. And a lot of people who follow me quite closely, people that are in my Discord, for example, will know this. I'm not a huge fan of GW's paints. Now, the reasons that I'm not a huge fan of their paints are because the painting method that I use, which I also bear in mind teach other people, they don't work very well for. Mm. Okay. But the stuff that I've started showing on the channel recently, I've found that the YouTube audience prefers to see things done with GW paints because that tends to be what they own and they don't particularly like having to figure out what the equivalent is feels like a bit of a barrier Mm. so what I've started doing is using either using more GW paints or if I really don't think it's going to make the best work up suggesting what the alternative would be in a GW paint or something like that now that's not me selling out that's not me going against my beliefs because I want more fans. That's me saying you deserve, as someone who's taken the time to watch my content, better accessibility to my content. If you don't feel particularly engaged with my content when I'm talking about Scale 75 or Reaper paints, the ones that I prefer, then I will make that easier for you to engage with by offering you comparisons to the products that you do like, to the things that you do like. Why can't we apply that to this Stan versus Shill argument you know, why yeah. Why can't we just say, okay, you know, you're allowed to like that and I can accommodate you liking that by not giving you shit for liking it. But that doesn't degrade me not liking it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You, you, you
0: don't become a sellout by allowing someone else to like something. Yeah, exactly. You just become a
1: decent fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, you, you like that. Cool. Well, if that makes you happy, you do it, you know? And, and I mean... Very touching kind of very similar to what you said about the other paint brands what i do is in every single video that i produce i have a conversion chart from Daka, Daka in there yeah a link to a conversion chart so you can just go I, I put all the paints i put on screen so they'll come up on screen when i'm using them you then can click the conversion chart if you want to and it will give you a conversion of the citadel paint into vallejo reaper army painter all that sort of stuff it
0: never occurred to me I've I've looked at that chart probably 500 times in my life and it never occurred to me to link it in my YouTube videos I'm going to steal that idea from you sir Yeah do it I am going because... to steal that idea and I'm going to start linking that paint conversion chart in my comments because that's
1: the that's 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 reinforces what the point on the rant essentially is like okay you like using Reaper yourself yeah, like I like using like. Citadel paints so okay Iron Rack skin as we've been talking about but oh, that's the equivalent on the Reaper. There might not be at this time. Don't get me wrong, there might be a few grey areas where you're going to miss out on things. But at least someone has the option and go, well, yeah. he's using he's using this really cool red colour, but I don't know what equivalent I've got in Army Painter. So you, oh, uh, Mephiston Red. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is the nearest one. Yeah. yeah, sort of thing. Excellent. Fantastic. And, and, this, and
0: is, this is the other thing as well, Is like especially when it comes to paint colours, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this. Like you don't have to use the paint i used in the tutorial <laughs> if you if if you've got fucking cock rash red and i'm using mephiston red you're allowed to use your red you don't have to use mine you know yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah if, if it looks good to your eye your eye is the ultimate judge and and when we're painting for ourselves we should only judge with our own eyes
1: Yes. You know, if definitely. we're
0: painting for a competition or we're painting for a commission, we need to we need to do things in certain ways where we increase the chances of it being viewed objectively as great. Um, yeah. you know, so when I paint commissions, for example, uh, I try to make sure that I'm applying a lot of color theory, I try to make sure that I'm using as much contrast as possible. I essentially use tricks of the trade. To try and make sure that the the largest number of people possible will look at that miniature and go fuck me that's a really well-painted miniature and the reason you do that is because your reputation rides on that you want Mm. people to like your
1: work yeah yeah because then it leads on to further commissions and 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 potentially more awards if competitions are the route you're going down at no
0: point during that process do we need to break other people down you know at no point during that process do we need to say i'm using this because it's the correct paint to use Mm-hmm. Why can't it just be? I'm using this because it's the paint I like to use, you know? Yeah. At the moment, the paints that I'm really, really crazy on, the paints that I stand for, if you will, scale 75 artist acrylics. Most people are fucking terrified to touch heavy body for painting miniatures with. Yeah. Almost yeah. everything always. I do is in these at the moment, but most people are terrified. And so every single time I put them up on screen in my videos, I almost always only ever use the Art Black and the art white and every time they come up on screen I always say use whatever black you've got use whatever yeah. white you've got because I just be I know person. I know that every time somebody sees a tube of heavy body paint in a miniature painting video that little vein on the side of their neck <laughs> it just starts going
1: it's oil paint as well you know it's, quite, yeah. it's been quite a big thing on miniature painting at the moment it's oil paints you know and, and it's not something I'm, I I would like to delve in at some point I but love it. it's them. not something I'm really thinking but I love yeah people like what? what what oil paints you know and streaking grime that I've seen yeah. oh now get yeah you know, Q-tip or cotton bud as we call it over here cotton bud and and dip it in some alcohol and wipe it, you know thing What's is going on they're so
0: forgiving oils and enamels on miniatures so mm. forgiving you get like hours to correct your mistakes not instead of minutes yeah. literally yeah, exactly. hours and and if you if you are satisfied once you're happy you just blast them with a hairdryer and once all the spirit that's in them's evaporated. They're set enough that you can paint over them with acrylics. Yeah, they're fucking brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. Like if you want to work quickly with them, you just smash a hairdryer on them and you're going again in the same sort of length of time as you would be with acrylics. Yeah. If you want to spend ages meticulously moving that shadow a tenth of a millimeter to the right and moving that highlight a tenth of a millimeter to the left, you've got the time to do it because they're just not going to
1: yeah. dry. And and it's it's hard because yeah, a lot of people get get thrown at them these and and I guess. To a degree, content creators like ourselves can be quite guilty of that. You know, I'm using Citadel paints and these are the ones. And people do slightly feel obliged, I would have thought, to go, well, that's the paint they use, you know. Um, But I like that that mentality. And I'm probably going to try and incorporate some of my videos of like, well, you don't have to use these colours, you know. Avalon Sunset for... um, imperial fists for example it's not the greatest of colors in regards to coverage and things like it can be a bit of a pain it's quite chalky at times um but it doesn't mean that you can't use uriel yellow which is yeah a brighter color but you can still use that for your imperial fists if you want to why can't you use that? No. I'll tell you what, actually. One of the nicest Imperial Fist workups I ever came up with, and it's, it's
0: one that I, I never use it on the channel because it's very airbrush heavy, and people fucking hate it when you do too much airbrush. Yeah. It's, just, it's really off-putting to, to your average viewer when, when like, 50% of the workup is airbrush. Mm. But the, the best one I ever came up with was um, I used the... Uh, is it called German Red Brown or something like that? The um, Viejo Surface Primer, the Red Brown...
1: All right, no, I'm it's, not it's really like me. a sort of
0: terracotta yeah. color, sort of all right, yeah, you know, reddy brown as as indicated yeah. by the name, and I just um, I hit the whole miniature with that. I under painted it with a little spray of purple ink, xenofold it with a little spray of white ink, and then just yellow inked over the whole thing, and then matte varnished it. Fucking nicest looking yellow armor I've ever painted in my life. But will it ever coat? Will it ever come to the YouTube channel? No, it won't, because <laughs> because acrylic inks airbrush, viejo surface primers, these are all things that people just, they feel like you're being haughty torty, or being la dar, or, you know, trying yeah. to sort of look down on them when you use these advanced products and techniques and these expensive materials yeah. and shit like that. And that's never what we want as content creators. We want you to be able to relate to the painting that we're doing because we're passionate about it, right? We yeah. care. Yeah.
1: And that's why, I mean, in my Imperial Fist video, I literally, uh, I think I... I have a, can't remember. I think I based pro, based the whole model in Screamer Pink. Mm. And I I just applied my Avalon Sunset over there, making sure I kept Screamer Pink in some of the darker recesses. Yeah. Because, you yeah, know, with colour theory, is purple and pink. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it was like a purpley pink colour, yeah. Screamer Pink. And for his children, it's
0: children's another pink. good one to do it with.
1: Yeah. so and things like that. It kind of goes on to what we discussed the other day about... Um, washing things like skulls with different colours, greens and uh, yeah, reds. Green and
0: bones, yeah, bones, like, yeah. Yeah, green, yeah, yeah. Warm cold contrasts and stuff like that. I
1: think I think that sort of, ad- say, level of advancement, it's not really that advanced. It sounds more
0: advanced than it is.
1: Yes, and I think if you can show that you can achieve that by just using a paintbrush, as I did with the Imperial Fish, whacking that scream of pink everywhere and then putting some Avalon Sunset over, if I'd never shown anyone that that was Avalon, uh scream of pink, no one would have known that scream of pink. Yeah. You would still right. looked at it and gone. that's a... T- Cool, yellow looking marine you yeah. know. so yeah i, I it's i think I, i'm quite guilty of watching videos as well and going well i don't have an airbrush <laughs> I don't, yeah i don't absolutely. have an airbrush absolutely. I
0: honestly oh, I, I bought yeah. my first one i bought a, a cheap you know chinese made amazon kit that included a, one of those shitty little box compressors um for about 25 quid and i literally bought it because i was sick of seeing workups that involved airbrush that i couldn't attempt yeah you know and and i tell you what i got the bug you know and i wanted one after that and I, so i bought a couple of sort of entry-level ones and i ran one of them into the ground the other one i still got it's actually i can still see it from here uh, and then i you know i bought a mid-level one and now i'm using a mid-level one and He's in a, a Harder and Steenbeck uh, Evolution now, which is you know it's it's over a hundred quid airbrush, so it's on you know, the of the market, um, and it's a journey, and and it's a tool that you you learn to fall in love with, but it's not an essential. It's not something you have to have, mm. and I I always think to myself every time I use it in a video, it's like I don't want to be another one of these guys who makes people feel like they have to have an airbrush to be valid as a painter. Because I know yes. that that's a feeling that exists in the community. I know that some people feel that way. And I don't want to yeah. be one of the people that makes people feel that way.
1: Yeah. But people, is a double a sword thing. If I think people were a bit more open saying things like, you know, base this with mm-hmm. this, I'm using an airbrush. However, you can apply this via a paintbrush. Yeah. You know? Um, I think things like that are, are really good because people do take it at face value and that's and that's very and that's what content on YouTube is like you think well these are the colors they use I have to use those colors these are the tools they use I have to use those colors uh, those tools and and <clears throat> it's hard because you've got those tools available and it makes it your job easier yes. um, and you like using them but in the same vein you don't want to kind of encourage people to think that they have to have them to as you say be a better painter or or, or produce better uh, painting or or product and
0: and there's there's kind of there's two sides to this as well because like as a commission painter you want to create these miniatures where people look at them and go fuck how did he do that because that's Hmm. what it creates a unique selling point for your commission services you know people then want to commission you over other people because you're the one that did that cool thing that they've never seen done before or that they you know don't know how to do themselves but on the other side when you're a content creator and especially a a learning focused a sort of tutorial focused content creator which I think both of us kind of gear our our content towards that you want to give away as much as you possibly can in terms of knowledge so it's like you know there is there's a real double-edged sword to it of sort of wanting to f- to be unimitable as a commission painter but wanting to be accessible as possible as a content creator
1: yeah see i don't do commission painting and and i don't have a a, a airbrush the only reason i don't have an airbrush and i found recently with these rattle cans generally to prime my models is yeah. essentially priming or basing that's yeah. that, that's the primary function i'm sure i'll get carried away and start trying to do freehand banners with it and n- nonsense like that you know because we'll give that a go yeah you know, i can do an ultra mean logo can't i on the shoulder pad yeah i do but um i don't want to ink sounds horrible it? i don't want to encourage people to think that they have to to do that in order to paint and and that's why i think with like we paint minis on on twitter you know i try to be positive in every yeah, comment that absolutely. i put across yeah, because you don't know if that person on that other end has got all those tools Uh, and they they might watch your content and they might watch other people's content and think, well, I'm rubbish because I don't have this. But as long as you go to them, well, that looks really cool. I like like that particular color or I like what you did with that particular thing, then it reinforces the fact that they, regardless of what tools they're using, they're still doing a good job and they're, they're getting the result that they want in the end, you know? For sure. Yeah.
0: I, I, you know, at the risk of making this potentially the most uplifting rant section ever recorded <laughs> in in a, in a video call, I honestly do believe from the bottom of my heart. And I think a lot of people I hope share this opinion, your validity as a painter starts and finishes at, do you want to paint? Mm. If you want to paint, you're valid as a painter. It's not about what you produce it's about a desire to live that process to to do the thing and it it doesn't matter if what you produce you you know the the melted face fucking ultramarine meme. if that's That's the the best thing you can produce if you had a good time producing it you're a painter you're
1: valid (laughs) which is why we need to stop having a go at people for liking things that they like yeah exactly and that's kind of full circle really because it's just it's just that's the point is yeah the world is a lot bigger than it was before and it sounds i sound like an ancient person but it's a lot bigger than it was before with social media and stuff like that you know and you can really reach someone that's right across the world with the words that you say we see far more
0: into people's lives than we ever have before oh yeah
1: and and so you know if, if
0: the way we live our lives is positive to other people then there's power to that
1: yeah, exactly. And does it take much? It does it cost you anything, you know, physically to go? Right. That looks really cool, mate. Yeah. Or I like what you did with that. Or I like what you did with that. Where did you get that color? How did you do this? You know, you yeah, people, people. I say people love it because I don't want to sound like I'm doing it deliberately. But that's not the point. The point is the fact that I'm doing it deliberately to a set, to a extent. It's more to do with positive reinforcement than anything but else. The, because
0: this is a lesson that I had to really learn the hard way. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit. For many, many years, I was a negative fuck on social media. You know, just social media to me was a window to complain to the world about everything that pissed me off. And it breeds a similar circle. You know, it's just suffering begets more suffering. And it it pulls you more and more down. And the amount of social media burnout that you go through, the amount of depression that can be triggered by social media. And I'm someone who suffered from depression many times in his life. Um, Mm. And... It just snapped for me one day you know if you just be more positive the things around you will change over time and start to look more positive and your world just gets better and better you know yep, putting the... positivity out into the world brings it back to you
1: and seeing all these people joining on onto social media saying i've been away from the hobby for x amount of uh, years there's, there's, there must be more to the fact that new things have come out for them to come back into the hobby. Yeah, of course. So of course. Generally, what I find is that it's a friend who is still in the hobby or have just got back in before the other person mm-hmm. and is on social media interacting with a, a a community that they're enjoying and they're having a good time with and there's positive reinforcement and, and engagement and stuff like that. He said, yeah, why not you come and play a game of this with me? You know, Here's some models. Let's play some of them. Oh, join Twitter because, look, this person or these people love looking at minis and they'll comment and they'll give you feedback if you want exactly to, and, exactly. Uh, you know, and that's and that's fantastic and obviously we can't say that the whole community is without negativity because every community is of know, course. It, it's yeah. never going to be 100% positive but as long as there are those shining beacons in the community which there are a lot of
0: absolutely uh, couldn't agree more and and, and hobby twitter is especially guilty of being lovely
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like it's it's lovely to be part of that and and seeing new people come into the hobby i've only just what i find as well i mean it's sidetracking a bit here but what i find is like on things like streams i don't know if you found this went on streams you have found some coming and go oh, hello and you saw me oh hi welcome to stream hope you're well and it goes oh um i'm new to the hobby i'm just ordered my first models you know mm-hmm. and and you're like, oh wow, that's awesome! That's yeah, so cool! Yeah, like, that's brilliant. You're, Another one. <laughs> about to start that journey, the journey that I enjoyed when I, well, I still do, but the journey, the journey that I enjoyed when I first started, you know. Yeah, those,
0: I mean, those first steps, you know, the whole world of wonder and everything. It's it's incredible. It's, it's yeah. starting out in this hobby is is absolutely amazing. You know the the speed at which you learn stuff and all the fantastic things you've never seen before. It's brilliant. Mm. Right, I uh, the, so I
1: think this rant has gone literally like
0: the last. Well, the last two sections of the vodcast are quite quick, so cool. we've got one more of the of the regular sections to do, and then whenever I have a guest on, I'm also going to be doing a mailbag section. So you're going to be my first victim of the mailbag section. We have got some questions lined up for that. So let's quickly scoot through into the final regular section. Uh, that is where we ask you what's coming up from you. So uh, what's uh, what's coming up then, man? What's coming what's up? So tell me, Darren, what have you got coming up in the near future? Let's go through this, and then we can get onto that mailbag and ask you some, some <laughs> grimy questions.
1: <laughs> so more YouTube content. Um, I'm enjoying doing that. Um, more videos. They'll be sporadic in what they are. I, I don't kind of stick to a plan. Um, obviously, always on, I'm doing Twitter stuff and stuff like that. But I, I recently reached out to Reaper Minis um, regarding... Um, I'm not going to too much detail because it wasn't really hashed out 100%, but they followed me on Twitter, which, do you know when you you get someone... Sampai some notice, of, really. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And you think, oh, wow, Reaper Minis has followed me. It's like, wow, oh, that's cool. And so I, I messaged them, you know, direct message. And I said, look, I'd love to work with you guys on something sometime. And they come back and say, yeah, that sounds fantastic. You know, we'll, you know, we'll throw some ideas together. So there's some ideas going backwards and forwards um, in regards to that. I'm, done, I'm not bothering too much because they've got ReaperCon to deal with, and, yeah. and that's one of those things I want to leave them to, to focus so, on that. It's
0: really funny you say that, because I, I don't know whether you know this or not. But I've actually been sponsored by Reaper for nearly a year now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I, um, I mean, you like their paints, so, yeah. And
0: I, actually, it's, it's, re- it's really funny. We've We've come to a really weird spot because i love reapers paints i will always love reapers paints i enjoy their miniatures and mm. having an endorsement deal with them was was great for me i caught i call it a sponsorship because they call it a sponsorship but it's not they don't pay me so it's an endorsement deal yeah um, it, it's been fantastic they're, they're a great company to work with and it's really unfortunate because i've kind of reached a point now where i'm starting to say to myself can my content fit in with what they need from me now? Yeah. You know, and and it's a shame because I'm having to now sort of sit down and think about that. And and part of me is really sad at that possibility that I might have to send them that email saying, you know, I think we're going to have to end the sponsorship because at the end of the day, I just, I can't make content that represents your brand because my content
1: has just gone in this direction now. Um, as being the bigger person and, and the more professional person, I think from what the engagement I've had with them is, I think they'll see that as a very positive thing. And whilst it is kind of a negative, a bit of an oxymoron really, it's a negative thing because they're losing someone to endorse their products. But it doesn't mean you're not, you still don't, you don't endorse their products. Exactly. It? It just means exactly. You don't have that, that stamp sort of thing to it, say it, you are. A... What, it,
0: what it more means is just that I can't necessarily find the time in my schedule to do stuff that's dedicated to their stuff, which they deserve. Hmm. They're making great products. They deserve... Yeah endorsees who can do direct things to push their products, you know, that that can do a whole video about this Reaper thing or that Reaper thing or a whole stream or, you know, and and it just doesn't fit with the direction my content is is going in right now. And if it continues to go in that, in that direction, but but one thing I will say is if you do end up doing something with them, they are a brilliant company to work with. Mm. Um, and John Overton and Mike Collins they'll likely be the two people that you'll deal with are two of the loveliest men you could ever hope to have a conversation with in your life yeah. they, yeah, they been really are really. just lovely lovely people and you will have such a good time dealing with them so but, best I of luck on the,
1: that the, the, the Twitter page has been quite GW centric really in regards yeah. to all stuff like I, obviously I tweet out anything I like the look of so I thought to myself you know I need to I need to show the world that there are other brands out there, and not to say I've got massive global reach, but you, know, you say there's other brands out there that you can really have a fun time with. Um, and I thought, well, Reaper Minis—they followed me. Yeah. You yeah, DMs yeah. are now open. And, <laughs> and the, and the, the great thing about
0: me. Reaper is that they're they're so closely in bed with the Dungeons and Dragons community, yeah. um, which is a whole bunch of really enthusiastic mini painters and mini collectors who have a mm. completely different perspective on the hobby to war gamers. It's so interesting. Yeah. To see yeah. how they look at miniatures and miniature painting, because it is—it's just a completely different world for them. Because the miniatures are representations of characters that they have really strong emotional ties to. You know, they—they mm-hmm. they use these miniatures to to represent their avatars in these in the fictional worlds that they play in. And, and as I'm sure you know, I, mean, I don't know how into role playing games you are as compared to war yeah. games, but yeah. you know, they—they they are next level immersive. You know, if if role play if if war games are like level one of immersion. You know, role play games are definitely sort of level two of immersion where you really sort of deeply have to get into the minutiae of what makes a character tick. And representing that in miniatures is like such a fresh way to look at our hobby as miniature painters.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. Because I, I don't mind if five intercessors get blown away by a uh, by something. You know, right. they're just little space marine intercessors. You know, you got your halfling bard, Yeah, drunk alcoholic halfling bard that you love playing. Yeah, for five years. If
0: Beric Bollocks takes an arrow to the face, you're going to be upset. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, next time you play Dungeons and Dragons, now you're going to roll up a halfling bard called Beric Bollocks aren't you?
1: (laughs) Yes, because that would be a crime not to. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Right, are you ready
0: to? uh, Are you ready to see what's in my sack, Darren?
1: Oh yes. Okay, yes.
0: let's head through to the final section of the vodcast, then, folks. Let's head to the mailbag. Mm-hmm. Mailbag. Right. So, I want to kick this off. Um, basically, just in the order that these questions came in. Uh, a lot of these questions have been asked to. In fact, I think all of these questions have been asked to both of us. Ooh, um, so, we'll try and be we'll try and be fairly concise in our answers. Try and kind of get through them. Um, but there's only four so there's technically eight answers to give it should be all right it should be all right uh, so first of all monty gates on twitter asks us i've seen a few tutorials where contrast paints are mixed with normal paints and used for shading have you tried it what's your opinion on it
1: well i mean it's a plug here i've actually done a video on youtube where i paint an entire stormcast uh, model using contrast paints with a base paint of Stormhost Silver to encourage kind of a metallic look to the armour. Okay. So essentially that's kind of looking at... I'm, I'm, I'm using... I basically base painted all of the armour with Stormhost Silver and then I used the relevant coloured contrast paints to go over the top of it and it sure. makes it look like metal. And it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> done. Selfing. So I, I, I think they're great tools in the arsenal of a, pain, a painter. I have done it. I have used it for shading. I've used it for pin shading on Space Marines, black temp- uh, my white scars. I use black Templar contrast paint sometimes to pin wash. Um, you can use some nice blues as well like to, ha- to do some shade, shadows and things like that. I've tried it. It's great. I've, I feel in contrast paints have a bit of a learning curve uh, to a degree, but I think they're fantastic. And I've also heard they're fantastic through airbrushes they are so
0: good through airbrushes
1: they actually yeah. go on a
0: lot more matte when you run them through airbrushes which is something i really like i quite often use mm. them for like filtering things in fact it's a shame it's just out of reach but um do you remember my synth wave demon prints have you seen the photos of that
1: thing I have i want to see that now okay oh. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll find some photos of it i might even be able to put a photo of it up on the screen um but Uh, I recently had to rework the paint scheme on that to turn it into something that worked for my word bearers army um, which meant that the armor had to go from blue to red, the trim had to go from gold to silver but the big one was all of his skin had to go from blue to green because I needed a color that would complement the red and so I actually used yellow contrast paint through an airbrush to filter all of his skin using Iandon yellow and filtering over all of that blue to turn it all into like a dark green and it works perfectly. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, I'll, I'll go for the sort of old man shy approach to answering this question. Um, contrast paints are essentially acrylic inks <clears throat> with a, uh, a matting agent added to them. Mm. You can you can make something that behaves very similarly to a contrast paint, literally by mixing matte varnish and acrylic ink. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we've been mixing acrylic inks into normal paints, for things like panel lining um, and certain shading techniques for a very, very long time. So I haven't tried it specifically with contrast paints in the way that you're saying, but what I have done many, many, many times is mixed inks into normal paints to use for various sort of shading techniques and glazing techniques and things like that. Um, and it's, for all intents and purposes, the same thing. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. So it's, it's a technique I've, I've used and I like and I trust But I haven't done it with the exact products that you're asking about, Monty. Um, Just because I already sort of have set habits for when I'm Mm going to do that kind of thing based on other products. Um, But I do like contrast paints. And much like you, Darren, I do think that there are... um, It's a tool for the Arsenal. There are some things that they're really good at. There are some things that they kind of suck at. Um, But overall i do think that they're a handy thing to have and and i do think that they're a, a valid and useful addition to your to your painting set yeah
1: definitely. uh the
0: next one i've got a feeling this is going to be a tough one where we both say "erm" um, a lot greg from my discord one of my patreons has asked us both what's your favorite 40k faction and your favorite mini from within that faction
1: um... <laughs> is it wise, guys? Darren. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I mean, the whole aesthetic of 40K is quite appealing to me. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a metal head, you know. And how much more metal can you be than grim, dark, horrific, huge battle cathedrals and massive, you know, stuff like that? It 40K reminds me a bit is of,
0: metal yeah. as fuck.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I flitter. I mean, Space Marines are probably my first love let's be honest um and if i was to go down that route of space marines as to um what model is my favorite there's, there's a few models i look at and i go oh, i absolutely love that but i still probably would say as of late the first primaris chaplain the old pimp cane chaplain this the, it was Nothing like I saw before when it comes to chaplains. because the skull mask, obviously, again, how metal could you be? Yeah, you know, skull mask. No, He's a stunner. It's the chaplain I use
0: for my army. He's an
1: absolute stunner. The, the hood, the trench coat, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the billowing at the bottom, the way it sort yeah. of flares out at the bottom. He's holding his um absolute, ab, absolute absolver pistol, absolver um, down, pistol, yeah, pistol, yeah, holding that down, you know, and it, holding it up. It just, I don't know, it just comes across really cool. There, there are some. I love the Reaver one Reaver models as well, I think they look really yeah. cool. But, Especially the heads. Uh, yes. And I use the heads on everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there I, go.
0: I bet you bits breakers around the world, like bits breakers, people who you know buy boxes and break them down into bits to sell on eBay. I bet you every bits breaker on the planet has got like fucking ten thousand Reaver bodies with no heads, yeah. where they've sold all the heads. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's yeah. just not bothered about the Phobos no. armor whatsoever. <laughs> they just want the
1: heads. But that's another one—the librarian in Phobos armor. Oh, he's that's, wicked!
0: I painted him. I, I haven't
1: got, have got him, and I, I want him.
0: I did him for a commission for one of my one of my best mates from back home. Um, really interestingly, he was supposed to be sending me a normal librarian. It got lost in the post. I said to him, "Well, I've got a Phobos one here. If you order another one to replace it, um, I'd actually rather have a normal one." So if you order another normal one to replace your one that's got lost, I'll paint my Phobos one for you. And he said, oh, well, that's perfect, because my army's actually an all-Phobos army, so I wanted the Phobos librarian. Um, So just by this sheer act of fate, it ended up working out that I got to paint this miniature for him. And um, I decided, like an absolute idiot, I did it all on stream, and I did all the metallics in NMM, and it took Uh. fucking ages. It took so long. Again, yeah. if I can find a picture of it, I'll pop a picture up on screen so you can see what I'm talking about. But it was a to be less
1: But to be less boring, um, going for Space Marines, yeah. I would probably say Gene Stee, The cult is probably my one of my favourite factions. Fly, love, and 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 model wise, you know the uh, aberrants. But in particular, being a really, really cool-looking model, the love, kind of...
0: love, love every single miniature in the GSC re- range. I think yeah. is beautiful,
1: and I love, I love the. It's almost like you know the 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 evolution of man thing, where you see that the monkey and then then ch- uh, the Neanderthal yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It, the range of genes to the cult stuff, you can really see that evolution from a human, a humanoid type person into essentially. a a tyrannid of some description yeah Yeah, and and i love i love that idea of seeing it because they're so ingrained in that faction that you physically see the changes and yeah and i I think they're great
0: it's it's a masterpiece of design that army is an absolute masterpiece of design and it's potentially the next army i'm gonna look at potentially i'm torn once i finish my blood angels i like to have an idea ahead of time and yeah, either Gene Steeler Colts or possibly Tau Empire. I'm not decided which yet. But
1: I've got a lot of Gene Steeler Colts. I got bought a lot of it for Christmas and birthday from my friends, and I've kind of like gone. But I've got Space Marines. <laughs> yeah, know, but... one day, one day Gene Steeler. <laughs> so, so
0: actually speaking of one day, my 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 both my favorite faction and favorite miniature, um, a faction I've never collected, and. Um, It is Space Orcs and I've never collected Space Orcs for the simple reason that I am a small scale painter. I paint in small quantities. I'm terrible at painting in large quantities. So I've always avoided collecting Space Orcs because I never would have been able to paint the army to the standard that I would want them to be painted to in any kind of timely fashion because Mm -hmm. it contains so many miniatures um but um, my favorite miniature from that army are the the uh knobs in mega armor the the big knobs in mega armor i think they are just so brutal and industrial looking um they they sort of the the design cue started to go in that direction around the um assault on black reach box Mm. set the fourth edition box set was that assault on black reach fourth or fifth edition box set um there was there was a, uh, an orc in that that had, like, a really cool power claw, and that was when they started to take on that really kind of industrial trash-punk sort of look. Um, and they actually – I think they share a lot of design cues with Gene Stealer cults, actually. I think there's you can yeah. see some parity between the, the design cues there.
1: Um, yeah, Shame uh, they haven't updated the models yet. Yeah. We,
0: but then look at the new Blood Bowl orcs. If, if that's a tell for the kind of orcs we're going to get when they do update yeah. them, they will be mm, chef-kiss perfect.
1: Yeah, I don't play Blood Bowl, but I was like, they look awesome.
0: Like, <laughs> I play Blood Bowl, but those miniatures might make me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll
1: just buy them. Yeah. I won't
0: even play yeah, just, just, buy, just buy the teams to own them, exactly. Right, <laughs> should we get to the next question? Yeah, go for uh, it. The Iron Mustache, again, one of my Discord Patreons, asks us both, what was the time you were most
1: frustrated within the hobby? Oh, well, it's, it's not when was, it's more of, like in general i mean i i as i said i'm i affectionately call myself a serial incompletionist <laughs> i'm very heavily a a procrastinator so i get distracted i'm a magpie i get distracted by shiny things so as i said i had my kill team being built my um white scars then i went you know what i want to make a jeans dealer cult 40k army when we play 40k proper um so my friends me my wife bought me loads of gene stealer cult stuff. I've got Goliaths, I've got neophytes, I've got acolytes, I've got the whole shebang pretty much, apart from, them. and I've got gene stealers. Um, and I was then like, actually, oh, I want to paint white scars again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally just like, I'm, I'm, and that's, that's infuriates me because yeah. I, I get so distracted and my pile of potential, not not shame, never call it shame, because it's a pile potent- of potential, is ever-growing, and I consume and I love it, but at the same time, I'm like, I must focus on the thing I want to finish, not finish half bits of bobs. I've got half Kitbash Stormcast here, I've got half Kitbash Gene Steeler Colts there, and this, that, and everywhere, so that's what frustrates me. That's an ongoing thing, that's my own issue that I try to deal with on a daily day, you know, day-to-day basis. And um, I wish I was a bit more focused on finishing the things that I want to finish before getting distracted by something shiny.
0: It's a good one. It's, a, it's one that I imagine a lot of people feel. Um, so mine is actually ongoing. And it's something I've experienced for as long as I've been a commission painter. And it's um, whether... So I, I've been a commission painter for 2D art for nearly... Th- well amateurly for about eight or nine years professionally for nearly three uh i've only been a commission painter for miniatures professionally for a year Mm. but regardless of what i'm painting the frustration is the same and it's an ongoing one and that is that i i have this constant fear that if i get too excited by my own stuff i will start to rush and overlook and not give the attention they deserve to commissions. But if I devote myself too heavily to commissions, the opposite problem happens and I start to feel guilty for never touching my own stuff. Mm. Um, and I start to get sort of a self-resentment for owning all of these miniatures and not painting them because I'm focused so heavily on commissions. Yeah, um, And so it's been an ongoing frustration for me for a long time now that... Um, I never I, I never seem to be able to place all of my enthusiasm in all of the baskets it needs to be in. It always has to be in one or the other. Yeah. And whichever one it isn't in, I have guilt towards the other. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And And I would love if any experienced commission painters out there have some good advice, some good nuggets of wisdom on how to get your brain straight in that way of knowing when it's okay to be enthusiastic about your own stuff and not letting that diminish your enthusiasm for your commissions and that kind of thing. If you have nuggets of wisdom, I would love to hear those in the comments because uh, that one has it has killed me for a long time now <laughs> and I would love a solution to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I've kind of maybe experimented with this live stream on a Monday because yeah. what I've said is that that's going to be my time. There are allotted one, time to paint your own miniatures. Yeah, and I'll paint my own miniatures. Yeah, it might take me a while. I mean, how long do I spend on a bloody loincloth the other day? But, you know, it might take a bit, but that's actually for the video, so that makes sense. But um when I paint my own stuff, I can I can chat with people, I can be distracted, continuous painting, stuff like that, you know, and I'll use yeah. those. And it kind of a win-win situation. You're kind of promoting your own content as well at the same time, but also getting your own stuff finished and that's kind of the mentality i'm looking at I'm, I'm experiment with it see whether it's actually fruitful and whether it's worth doing or if i just sit there with headphones and listen to an audiobook or something like that uh,
0: it's, it's it's it sounds healthy though allotted time for you definitely sounds healthy it sounds like a good approach and especially when uh, you know you you have to do stuff for content and that can't always be stuff from your army. You know, no one's going to sit and watch your channel if you've just got 30 videos on fucking word bearers or white scars. Yeah. You know, your your content has to be stuff that isn't for your armies. So having that allotted time where you get to actually work on your armies is probably really healthy and really smart and probably something worth considering. Uh, so we're on to our final question. Uh, Gronk on Twitter asks us, Taking what you know now, what would be the best piece of advice you'd give to yourself when you first started the hobby?
1: Um, um, generally, uh, probably the, the advice I'd give is that miniatures, in general, they generally don't go out of production very quickly unless mm-hmm. they're like a limited thing. So you do not need to buy all the things. Yes, <laughs> you not need to buy all the yeah. things? Pace yourself. <laughs> yes. But you also, paint what you like. Mm-hmm. If you like the look of it, yeah. paint it. Don't go through um, Google and look at the best army, the most high damage army, or that's if you want to play, obviously. Mm-hmm. But decide on... That's a bit of advice, actually. Decide on what you want to do. Do you want to paint? Do you want to paint and collect? Do you want to paint, collect, and play? Or do you want to play? Or do you want to competitive? There's loads of kind of permutations of that. But decide what you want to do. Oh, I like the look of those models. I want to paint that particular big beastie, you mm-hmm. know? Then paint it. Yeah. yeah. But paint that model. Don't go, wait a minute, I've got that big beastie. But that big beastie looks really cool as well. Aren't? That will probably still be there for a considerable amount of time. Probably long after you finish the first one. So focus on the first one. Get that one done. Then pop it. If you've got the expendable, disposable income to do, you go nuts. But my advice would be, take it easy, pace yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure. Just one
1: thing and then focus on that.
0: I like it. Solid advice. Um, I think mine is in a, is in a similar vein, maybe with a slightly different point of view. But it would be to slow down. Mm. Uh, I know that early me cost himself a lot of level ups as a painter by always trying to rush ahead to the next thing before he'd perfected the thing before it. Never yeah. taking that time to learn those prerequisite skills and always wanting to be better at the cost of actually getting good first, you know? Um, yeah. I know that when I got back into miniature painting after my last hiatus, I probably had eight or nine years off of playing and in that whole time maybe only painted four or five miniatures over literally those, that stack of years. Um, and when I got back in, it took me probably because I was actually pacing myself and being more intelligent with how I got back into the hobby, probably only took me two months from never painting a miniature again, you know, or thinking I would never paint a miniature again. And all those years passing by to being better than I was at my best because I just learned, myself, learned at more of a pace. I'd, I'd slowed myself down and just made sure that I'd absorbed those skills before moving on to the next thing, not try to run before I could walk. Um, and, you know, it's so tempting in a world that is so social media driven to see these incredible, extravagant, beautiful, gorgeous paint jobs, and think, I want to do that now without putting in the groundwork, you know, without having the foundations underneath it upon which to build those skills and to become great at those things and, and yeah. to eventually achieve, you know, that that level of, of greatness at painting. Um and it's definitely something that I'm still occasionally guilty of, you know, it's something I still sometimes do is I'll I'll rush into a new technique without maybe having the best fundamentals behind it Um, but I've got a lot better at it and it's really helped me grow as a painter really really helped me just sort of feel more secure as a painter feel more capable as a painter just by chilling out a little bit slowing down and just learning at my own pace
1: yeah you you touched on something a bit there which I thought was a bit pretty good as well about the looking at other people's art and and other people's models Um, people can kind of take that one or two ways can't they they can take it as a i'm never going to get to that stage why am i bothering painting Mm -hmm. um and the other one is okay not necessarily i want to get to that level is let's have a look how did they achieve that this result or that Mm -hmm. result so what, what another bit of advice i would give is is look at other people's art and and it doesn't have to be immaculate you know rodrigo what's his name corey i think his name is uh, rodrigo corey rodrigo Someone like he's amazing on twitter on instagram anyway I said his name completely wrong but um but look at their work and think that's awesome that is so cool you know how do, and it didn't have to just be him it could be someone else mm-hmm. who is yeah, yeah. not of a skill set that they are and go well that looks really cool but ask that question I mean, if you've got access to that person ask the question
0: I look at, you know, the two big examples for me would be um, Sergio Calvo and Rich Gray, uh, the two people whose work I look at all the time, because they're the two people whose work I most enjoy the visual style of. Mm. And I look at it, and of course I know that they're so much better than me, and I know that I have so much to go on my painting journey before I'm even close to that kind of ability level. But I never want to make miniatures that look like theirs, because that's their miniatures.
1: Exactly. I want, want to... Your own kind of um style don't you
0: what inspires me when i see their work is their command of lighting how absolutely incredible their understanding of lighting is and i want to learn how to incorporate that into my painting but i'm never trying to make a miniature that looks like a rich gray or a sergio calvo that's never been a goal and so you know by under by managing your own expectations of yourself you can look at this incredible work that blows you away and not feel overwhelmed by it not feel put off by it and instead take away what's good about it and ask yourself how you can incorporate that into your own miniature painting instead of trying to emulate
1: yeah but never think that you can't either yeah never think that you you can never reach that no, it's never impossible you know it's rodrigo a i was quite i think, I right, I think. <laughs> yeah um but yeah don't don't if you there's nothing wrong with striving towards something like that you know you can always push towards that you know but take it slowly like you said take it steady and on one model at a time, <laughs> not Yeah. Don't um, try and
0: paint your entire army to golden demon standard in a week. Yeah. Because you'll kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think do you know what? I think that about actually wraps it up, mate. I think we've we've reached the end. Before we sign off for the uh, for the night, do you want to do any plugs, any shout outs, any any hey mom, I'm on T V kind of <laughs> moments? Is there is there anything like that um, you want to do?
1: Well, I mean a lot of people i said say a lot of people ask. Big it but some of the people that view this probably will follow me on twitter already i'd like to promote that that's my that's my baby as it were sort of thing that's the thing i really like because of the community and the positivity so i'd rather plug that obviously i have my youtube channel as well um you know we paint minis it's just up there just type we paint minis in and it'll come up um and the twitter account is actually unfortunately we paint mini because someone's <laughs> taking we paint mini. minis <laughs> just the one <laughs> you paint just the one mini and then that's it You're done, yeah exactly you <laughs> are a so, mission um, accomplished. But the other thing I'd like to plug is is really think about people and what level they are at painting. Just be kind to people, give them positive encouragement. You know, and I'm not saying molly coddle. What I'm saying is no. is that that person might have spent 15 hours painting that particular face, yeah. whereas you could probably do it in two hours. So my plug would be be positive.
0: Give people. criticism when it's asked for. Yep. and be constructive be kind and uh, yeah. you know ask yourself how you would feel in that situation
1: exactly if you're on the receiving end yep. you know
0: Great words, great words. No, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Darren. Obviously, as you know, this is my first time sitting down with someone else to do this. It's only my second time doing this. So uh, it's been really good fun for me. It's been very insightful getting to know you. Um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time out, especially as this is something that is, you know, it's, it's for my patrons. It's not for general YouTube viewing. So you're doing me a massive favor helping me make this content. I do appreciate that very, very much. Folks, make sure that you are following Darren uh, both on YouTube and on Twitter. He does make fantastic content uh, as he said uh, we paint minis on youtube we paint mini on twitter i will put links below in the description for you to go and find him uh, as you can tell from this this video that we've made together he is a lovely man and he's he's making great content so show him your support i think it's about time that we got out of here so uh, let's let's wave to the camera and fade to black and uh thank you everybody for watching i'll see you in the next one he won't
1: but that's okay bye for now Hi.